truly blown away. Let's just get our focus on Jesus. Are you all right to stand with me if you're, if you're able? Um, if you're not able, just want us to fix our gaze on him. You know, it's true, I, I love you guys, but he loves you more. And I know you love me, and we're in this together, right? Equality, there's this line, and we're all on this equal line. And we're loved by the Father. We're absolutely adored by him. I just want to encourage us all just to get our eyes fixed on this wonderful Savior. Just behold him again. Just look at him. Look at Jesus face to face. What does he look like for you? For me, I'm like Nick. For me, he is compassionate. He called a no-hoper and put hope in him. He tells me I'm loved. He tells me he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He tells me I'll be with him for eternity. He tells me that my sins are forgiven. Just behold Jesus right now. It's appropriate that we give him all the glory, all the honor, all the acclaim. I'm like Nick, I'm a huge Liverpool fan. And I watched, they said, here he is, your captain, Stephen Gerrard. And they brought him out and Anfield went crazy. But there's nothing compared to heaven. And they say, here's your captain. He's the captain of the army. He's your commander and chief, Jesus. And it's not for a moment. It's not so he can sign a few autographs. It's so he can write his name on your heart. He knows you by name. The people in row Z didn't even know who Stephen Gerrard... Didn't, they, he didn't know them. Stephen Gerrard didn't know them. But Jesus knows each one of you by name. And he, he formed you in your mother's womb. He knows every hair on your head. He knows what you're thinking right now. And he loves you. Isn't that good? Let's just let him love on us for a little while. Let him love on you. I want to encourage you to be open-hearted, open-handed. And let Jesus' mercy, his compassion, and his grace flood your heart. We love you, Jesus. We love you. But thank you that you first love us. Your love for us is unconditional. It never changes. Thank you that we don't find you in a bad mood. Thank you, Father, we don't find you too busy. We don't find a Father that is working away and only back at the weekends. We find a Father who is always attentive, always concerned with us and our needs. And he's here for you right now. Jesus, everything I share today, I pray you take all the glory. God, you take all the glory. Would everything point back to you in some way for your glory? Amen. Amen. Please. Take your seat.
Okay, thank you so much for your encouragement to us. It really does mean a lot. And it is a real privilege and an honor and a high calling to, to serve you guys in whatever capacity I find myself. But I want you to know I'm just like you. Okay, I mean that. And you're just like me. Normally human beings with different lusts and strains and difficulties and hiccups. and But it's a wonderful family, this, isn't it? The family of God is a wonderful family. Just to share, just before I get into the word this morning, I had the privilege to visit some of our family in the Philippines. I got back last Saturday morning. I was away for two weeks. So those that know Alward and Rosie and the children, the Wick family, they're incredible. Man, we had such a laugh. Such a blast. It's great to be with a family that don't take themselves seriously. And I mean that respectfully. But they serve the Lord in joy. Do you know what? When we serve him in joy, we're much more effective. I mean that. What the world doesn't need is a load of het-up, grumpy Christians that are stressed. What the world needs is to see peace on people. God's peace in people. And it's a real privilege. And I want to just share with you some of the projects they're involved in. They're, in, they're doing something called the Hezekiah Project, which is a feeding project. They are uh, involved with a, a group called Global Impact, which are all about anti-human trafficking. Uh, Alward plays basketball once a, once a week with a group of guys, some believers, many not. They play this hard game of basketball, and then someone shares a little word. Um, they're doing all kinds of things, and it was a real privilege to be with them. And he, we kind of, he had these things arranged, and he said, you know what, Sam, we've got a few things planned for you, but let's just see what the Lord wants to do. And that was awesome. I loved that. So I found myself speaking at their church. They're part of this church called New Hope Community Church, New Hope Church, wonderful group of people. I spoke at the high school in front of all of the high school. I spoke at this basketball game. I tried to play for two minutes and nearly died. Genuinely, I was like, time out, sub. I felt myself just going. But you know what? They're in good heart, and it's so right that they're there. I want to report back that all is going well. There are a few uh, tensions, like there always is, finances and things like that. But you know what? It feels like they've been there for years. It feels like they've been there for years. The children are doing brilliant. Isaac, Joey, uh, Kobe, Aaliyah, and Micah. Five children. And you know what? They're in it together. I was there, and you think like the children are flourishing. They're together as a family unit. They are doing well. What I want to report to you, though, or what I want to encourage us to do as a family, can you commit to pray for them? Can we commit to pray for them? Just pray that God's favor would be on them, that God would protect them and provide for them in all that they do. And can you encourage them? You know, what you've just done for us, me and them, just in this last few moments, it's like Christmas, birthdays, and uh, everything else, Easter, rolled into one. Encouragement is great ointment for the soul. So encouragement. Those that know them, drop them text messages, emails, letters. They're doing really well. And bless you. Thank you so much for releasing me to go. Many of you didn't even have a clue, but thank you anyway. Okay. We're doing a a series called Acts of Courage. If you have a Bible, could you turn to uh, Acts chapter 6, please? 
And I, I couldn't really think of anything creative for a title. And we don't really need that. We need the Word of God and the empowerment of His Spirit. So this is what I'm calling it, courage to play your part. Courage to play your part. And then underneath, as you can see, we're all needed. We're all needed. So we're going to read together. It's going to come up on the screen behind me. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution, the, the food. And the twelve, that's the twelve apostles, uh, assembled or summoned the, the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, names we recognize, and then it gets difficult to pronounce. And then Procurus, and then Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied. It multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the word. Let's just pray again. Father, I thank you for your precious word. I thank you that this is actually food for our soul. Thank you that it highlights stuff to us. Thank you that it's sharper than a sword. Thank you that it is life to us. And I pray that you'd help me pull out these principles for us as a family. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what we see here is a narrative story telling us what happened in the early church, the Acts of the early church, okay? So when we call it Acts of the Apostles, sometimes it's not always helpful. It's called that. I'm not, I'm not meaning to knock it. But it's, it's sometimes unhelpful in our modern-day thinking because we think it's Acts of the important ones, those well beyond us. What we need to understand is Acts of ordinary people just like you and just like me. Acts of the early church. We, we look at the exploits they did, and this whole series is about encouraging us with a bit more courage. And have you seen the board as we come in through this building? There are some wonderful stories being put up on the board about the courage that people are taking, chatting to someone on the bus, offering to pay for someone's dinner, just the empowerment of people's lives. It's incredible. So this isn't just a series about giving us more head knowledge. This is a series that we want to equip and empower us all as a family, that we go out into our communities with the love and the mercy of Christ. You excited about that? Because that's what we're all about. So we're going to learn from some principles here. We're going to look at this text, and all I'm going to do is just walk my way through it. Verse 1 it says, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose. In these days when the church was flourishing, when there was success, I don't know what we call success, but it looked pretty successful. The church was multiplying, increasing, but then there was a complaint. Success 
increase and advancement doesn't mean that difficulty won't come. That's the first thing I want us to see. So as we grow, we've, we're growing as a church, by the way. We're gathering some 500-ish, sometimes over on a Sunday, which is incredible. Really incredible, considering this started with a handful in a basement flat. Pretty good, isn't it? But, yeah, thank you. But we want more. We want more. We want increase. But we're not going to judge success on just bottoms on seats. We judge success in disciples and followers of Jesus. Yeah? I want more Nicks. I want more Me's. I want more Aidan Liz's. I want more Gary's. I want more of us to be transformed and we follow him. That's success. But there was a, this was the tension. It rose between two Jewish uh, groups of people within the church, the Grecian Jews and the Hebraic Jews. Offense had arisen because one grouping felt they were being neglected. So the Grecian Jews felt they were being neglected. Their widows, their most vulnerable, were being neglected when food was being dished out. This was bringing very real disharmony. And I've experienced it here. I've only been here for 13 years. But it's so easy. I'm I'm not saying I'm going to liken it to the extent of here. But sometimes there's this disunity that happens. This disharmony within our hearts. And you know, it's so poisonous. If it's left untreated, undealt with. And this was the worry here. If it was left undealt with... I'm not sure the gospel would have, would have advanced. So even, that's what I want us to see, even in advance, there can be challenge. Tensions arise, and we'll all face it. With people come blessings and challenges. Remember Dave Lyons always saying to me, we're in the people business. This is what we're all about. May we never forget that. We're not about programs and structures and formats. They help us. But we're in the people business. But with people come problems, come difficulties. I'm going to isolate myself at the moment, and I know I'm a little bit odd. So if I'm odd, you're odd. With the greatest respect, we're all a bit weird. Okay? We've all got our funny little ways. I don't like the way we do this. I think I've been neglected. I think you've overlooked me for so many years. I didn't like the way you looked at me. I look funny. I just look funny. So I'm not looking at you funny. I just look funny. But tensions will arise. What we need is to keep harmony and unity in our hearts. This faction among the people could have seriously affected that. And spread like poison. We need to take responsibility. What I want to say, dear friends, is it's not just a select few. It's not just Adrian and Pete's responsibility to care for people. It's every single one of us. So what I want us to see here is all of our responsibility belonging to this family to say, I, Santino, am going to take responsibility to make sure harmony reigns here. I'm going to make it my responsibility to make sure unity rules here. And it's it's yours as well. I want us to see this a little bit more. If you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians with me. The letter to the Ephesian church. And this is what it says in chapter 4. 
about unity in the body of Christ. It says, I therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. This is for all of us, okay? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit that is the bond of peace. That's all of our role. We need to be eager to maintain unity. Then we look down to verse 2, and it says, And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples, and they said, Do you know what? It's not right for us to give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. On the face of it, it's a little bit like, Oh, that sounds like arrogance. But it's not. I'm going to unpack it a little bit. It's not right for us. The apostles did something about this tension. They did something about this offense, if you like. They responded head on. My natural position, my natural wiring is to flee from confrontation. And I've said this several times before. People that enjoy confrontation are weird. Don't hang around with them. No, that's not unity, is it? Rebuke. But people that enjoy it, I think there's issues there. So, but it's, it's not my natural wiring. What about you? Challenge, difficulty. Man, I don't want it. I just, I want peace at any cost. And I'm sure that's you as well. So it's very easy for us to shy away, to bury our head in the sand, to, to pass the buck and to drop the shoulder and say, hey, Steve, could you pick this up? But they didn't do that. They did something where they wanted to get involved They responded, and what they did was to get a structure in place. I've heard one guy, a guy called Simon Holly, say, structure and planning is a wonderful servant, but a horrible master. And some people go, hey, let's just let go and let go. Hey, let's be organic. Let's just see what happens. Nothing happens if we do that for too long. The right godly structure the right spreading of the load, the right systems and processes actually bring life. And they sustain life. God is not a God of disorder. He, he formed the earth and then he filled the earth. He didn't leave the earth all flabby and saggy. He formed it and then he filled it. The right structure in place is crucial So what they were trying to do was spread something out to make things manageable. And they remained confident of the call of God on their lives. I want you to hold on to that. They remained confident of the call of God on their lives. Were they effectively saying, you know, this type of serving is too menial. It's it's kind of beneath us. We are big deals around here. I don't know, did you see our Apostle t-shirts? We are pretty important here. I, I don't think this is what this text is referring to. What they're doing is reminding, as I've said, the people of what they're all about. And it's so easy for us as church, as churches, to become so navel-gazing. I want to be careful that we forget what our primary mandate is. And that's to share the love of God to our communities. That's primary. It is done through the love of one another. So we have to carry these two tensions. We, we love each other. As you were saying this morning, Pete, me and Pete and Steve were praying this morning 
And Pete was like, it's our love for one another that draws people. So I want to encourage you, love on each other. But our primary call is to go and rescue. We're not the saviors, but we point people to the saviour. So they're not saying it's not important. Listen to me carefully here. They're not saying it's not important. They're saying for them it wouldn't be right. They needed to obey God primary, first and foremost. Our call is to obey him. Our call, my call on my life is to love God and to love people, but to obey his call on my life. And that's the same as you, as primary. You see, so many people get so bogged down with doing too much stuff. Anyone here doing a little bit too much than they should? Really? None, hardly any of you. Well, what's, thank you, Otto's waving frantically. <laughs> I, I'm yet to meet someone that goes, I've just got nothing on. Just free, any day, just nothing. The, the, the symptom of our generation is, it's crazy. How are you doing? Busy. How are you doing? Man, I've got so much on. So many people do so many things. And I think because we try to be saviour. We try to fix people's problems. I can't fix your problems. You can't fix my problems. All we can do is point each other to the one that can. Now, I don't mean when someone comes with a problem, you go, talk to the hand, because the face ain't listening. Jesus is listening, but I'm a bit busy. No, we point each other to Christ by loving each other, by showing compassion to one another, by showing the compassion of Jesus in us and through us. That's how we point each other, not just going, you've got the same book as me, read it. But seriously, you've got the same book as me. Read it. (laughs) Trying to become all things to all people. I do this all the time out of insecurities. We've just had this wonderful week of freedom and encounter. And this whole subject of self-reliance is probably blanketed over us all. I can do this. I need to be better at this. If I don't, we'll fail. If this doesn't happen, whatever it might be, we do it because we want people to respect us and like us and care for us and say we're okay. But sometimes we need to know, no, these are my limitations. And actually, it wouldn't be right for me to get involved in all of that. Also, we can put an unhelpful expectation on each other. We know what the Bible teaches, and we need to follow this as close as we can. But often we start making up stuff in our own hearts and we place it on one another. And I've heard it said of me before, literally this statement, you're my pastor, you need to fix it. And I said, Em, I just can't do that. (laughs) Boom! I'm so dead. You should... You should see her eyes, they're burning. (laughs) You're my pastor. You need to do this for me. J. John, anyone heard of J. John? 
incredible evangelist. Me and my friend Rob um, and a few others, we went to this uh, day with J. John. We got this incredible invite to go and just this audience with J. John, if you like, and he did a bit of teaching. And he said this quote that stayed with me. He said, it's not my responsibility to care for everyone, but it's my responsibility to make sure everyone's cared for. Do you hear that? It's not my responsibility to care for everyone, but it's mine to make sure there's structures in place to make sure that everyone is cared for. I find that wonderfully releasing. And he's Greek, so I'll listen to everything he says. So if that's true, for me as a pastor here, me of one of the three pastors here, my responsibility isn't to be involved in every pastoral need and desire and pain, to care for everyone personally. My responsibility, along with Paul and Steve, is to work as best we can, try as hard as we can to get in programs and structures that actually promote life and freedom and uh, encouragement and release of all of us. So we're all playing our part. So we've all got a role to play. Do you know, I learn... I learn so much from you all of the time. Just watching the compassion, watching the gifts of mercy, of hospitality, of, 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 of generosity just flow. But if we were just expecting Paul to do everything, we'd be a church of about 12. Nothing against Paul, but the capacity on just one person is fairly narrow, isn't it? So structure done well actually brings life. It brings sustainability. It makes things manageable. Verse 3. Let's move on. So they said, therefore, it's not right for us. So this is what we're going to do. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we'll appoint to this duty. You see, it also takes real courage to involve others. It takes real courage to say, do you know what? I just can't get involved in that. Or it's not right that I do that. But it also takes real courage to say, hey, Stu, I'm going to completely release you to do it. Do you know, Stuart Clark is doing an amazing job managing this building. (laughs) Stuart, along with Rob and Tracy and Laura, we can sit there and go, no, 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 it's God. He brings people. Yeah, he does. But these guys set up programs and structures to actually sustain people, to actually invite people back, that they say, hey, I love that place. That guy, Rob, was, he was so friendly. He, you should see what this guy does day to day to day. And it's, it's these guys, yeah. And this is spreading the load. Do you know? If anything ever happened to Paul, and it won't, right? I don't want to, say, don't want to frighten Sarah. I couldn't do this. This isn't my gig to lead this church. Paul's the right guy to lead. And we're behind him, right? The reason why this church is flourishing is absolutely God, but it's because we've got the right leader in place. Spreading the load. And I say to Paul, no, 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 you're not going to do that. And he says to me, you're not going to get involved in it. We need to do that to one another. You know, Debbie, this is your gift. This is your call. This is what you can do. Man, I love this thought that we can spread things out. 
So it takes real courage to recognize one's own capacity, my narrow bandwidth, and then say, hey, Brian, I need you, bro. I need your gift because I can't do it like he does it. But what if they don't do it like I do it? What if they don't do it to my standards? What if they don't do it like I do it? It might not be done as well. It might be done better. Often with me it is. You know, often someone else takes on the team and, man, it flourishes. And that's just recognizing the call on your own life and being confident and secure to go, do you know what, Phil Gobey, you run with Connect, bro. You're doing brilliantly. So what is it for you? We need to trust others. We need to have confidence in others. People took a huge risk with me. Yet sometimes we go, hmm, not sure. No one in this building, no one in this building should discredit themselves. Okay? There is nothing that you're doing that is too menial or too important. We're all equal, okay? Okay, guys, they say, you pick them. But this is what to look, at, look out for. Men of good repute, full of the spirit, and full of wisdom. Man, this is quite a job description for clearing some tables, right? Men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of wisdom. I want to be very careful how I say this, because I don't want to separate the, the menial and the important. Do you know, there was a huge event in here last night and it took people behind the scenes to make it spotless like it is today. The people that did it are of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. You know, Mike Sparks, what would you say about him? Of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. Brian swept up a load of fag butts are all across the, the foyer this morning. He wouldn't say this to you. Man of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Thanks for doing that, bro. I heard you did it. It's amazing. I mustn't smoke any longer out the front there. It's just, uh, <laughs> sorry. Just having a laugh. But it's deeper than this. It runs much deeper because it's not about the task, it's about the heart. I want you to see this. It runs much deeper, 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 deeper. It's not about menial and important tasks, it's about the condition of one's heart. This is what challenges me all of the time, the condition of my heart. God is always looking at the heart. We scrub up the external but God deals with the internal. God wants to shape up our hearts more and more and more. Serving in whatever capacity is an issue of the heart. I want you to know I am no more important than you because I stand currently, I don't know, 15 inches higher. Not in stature, on a thing. I'm no more important than you. And you're no more important than me. It's a condition of the heart. 
I think this text fights against what we define as menial and important. Well, these are the important things. I just haven't found the important thing. I'm just doing stuff. Good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. The people chosen to serve these tables, dare I say it, were probably some of the best that the church could offer. It was all about the character, men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Crumbs, I'm running out of time, let's rattle on. What you're willing to do will be an issue of the heart. Because I know it is for me. Saying, hey, could you just help do? Instantly your heart tells you what you really want to do. So I just want to ask you a question. Maybe you want to shut your eyes for a mo. What's your heart like? What's the condition of your heart? Are you of good repute? What I mean by that is of good reputation. When someone talks about you, they say, man, he's just full of generosity, full of trustworthiness, faithfulness. We can trust them. There's no gossip, there's no slander, there's peace and joy. Good reputation. Are you full of the Holy Spirit? Are you continually drinking from the wells of life and not trying to do it on your own steam? Because when you do it on your own steam, you dry up pretty quickly. And are you exercising wisdom in your own life? You know, the, the book of James says, if you lack wisdom, you can ask God. And he'll give you wisdom. Are you exercising wisdom? Are you helping others with wisdom? This should be the qualification that we're all striving towards, regardless of whatever role we're doing. So whether we're helping on the car park, whether we're doing the teas and coffees, whether we're in children's work and food bank, our hearts should strive after good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. It's not length of years that brings maturity. It's your closeness to the Father that will bring maturity. Whatever we do, it's easy for me to stand here and say this, I know that, but I believe it true. Whatever we do, we're doing it as if to an audience of one. So as Brian was sweeping up this morning, it is glorifying Jesus. We're giving him the glory. So whether someone's standing holding a microphone or whether someone's serving, getting things tidied away, we do it all for his glory. I want to touch on body ministry very quickly. In Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, Paul likens the church to a body. As like a physical body where there's many parts, it takes every part to help the body stay healthy and flourish and function properly. Every part. I'd need my little finger as much as I need my buttock. Sorry. I didn't know what else to say. I just got lost a little bit. Um, Oh, dear. That was bad. Everything's needed to one degree or another. But I, I'm going to notice if I break my little finger. This little finger doesn't have many functions. Other members of the body do. And, and what I want you to see is, however the members flow, we flow as one body. 
And it says in Ephesians that Jesus is the head of the body and we're all connected, connected in some way, connected to him and we're being brought into maturity as every part does its bit. Every part. So the goal is that each one of us is enabled and empowered to play our part. To play our part to help the whole body flourish. We're all needed. God has given us all skills and talents. And I want to ask you another question. What are yours? Gary, what are yours? Rebecca, what are yours? Paul, what are yours? Jackie, what are yours? Even as I say that, I can, you can see it in one another. But what are yours? What is the specific things that God has given shapes you to be? Your shape. I want to ask you another question. What's the specific call of God on your life? What has God specifically called you into? And are you stewarding that well? Are you helping that flourish and develop and nurture? For some, you'll know straight away, yes, this is what God's called me to do. But it's not for our own end game. It's so we can be part of a body, okay? But for others of you, this question is haunting because it's, it causes frustration some say, do you know what, I'm, I'm a bit like a Swiss army knife. I, I do a bit of all sorts of things, and I've, I've been a tweezer for a little bit, and I've a sore, and I don't quite know. I don't quite know my shape. That's why we need the body as well, because others say, hey, this is your shape, bro. This is who you are. I've needed that time and time again for people to remind me, this is the call of God on you. Stay true to it. And for others, maybe it causes frustration and disappointment because you've never quite seen it. You've never quite walked into it. But what each of us need to understand is wherever we are now, today, is exactly where God wants us. Now, I'm not saying if you fall over and break your leg, that's exactly what God wanted to happen to you. I'm talking about your season of life. It doesn't surprise our sovereign Father. He doesn't look and go, oh, crumbs, Nick, I forgot. He says, no, no, Nick and Anna, I've put you just where I need you because I'm shaping you. I'm speaking to you. So where does God have you now? He's sovereign. He's in control. He has a plan for each of us and all that's required, our end, is to obey him. Is to say, Father, I'll follow. Jesus, I'll follow. Holy Spirit, I'll follow you. And the important thing is that we stay humble-hearted and healthy within. That we don't miss the moment. That we don't miss the season that we're in. So I want to encourage you, friends, don't be blinded by disappointment. Don't be blinded by frustration. Don't be blinded by, but I want that. Don't miss the season you're in. Because whatever you do, you have opportunity to give Jesus the glory. And as we do, let's focus on being individuals of good repute, full of spirit and wisdom. Skipping on, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man of faith, and Philip, and so on, and so on, and so on. The key word is devote. Be devoted. They were saying, this is your priority. You've touched on that, so I won't major. So your gift, what God has shaped you to be, that needs to be your priority, not secondary. 
Devotion means to spend all, if not most, of your time doing something. We're called to be devoted to prayer. We're called to be devoted to one another. We're called to be devoted to this. The way these leaders would serve the community better would be staying close to their call and not doing stuff in their own strength. The most important thing for a leader, but I want to include all of us because we're all leaders, because our role is to bring Jesus' love onto the earth. So in some way, we are all leaders, okay? We are leading the way. The most important thing is for you and I, dear friends, to stay close to the Father. That is number uno. Not good works, not social action, dare I say it. That flows out of our relationship with him. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. If you try to do everything, you will burn out. And in my short, humble experience, I've seen many pastors shipwreck their faith. Many leaders burn out. Many people go, oh, I'm done. This is dull and boring. Or too much. What brings real life to others is the life of God we have flowing in us. You can only give what you have. I can only give £10 away if I have £10. I can only rightly and appropriately share God's love if I'm correctly receiving his love. What we don't need is a load more legalistic Christians. What we need is a load of love secure children. Yeah, that's what we need. Man, what my son doesn't need is a driven daddy. He needs one full of joy and peace. And that has a laugh and trips him up when he walks past and stuff. So for these leaders, it was their number one priority. Just going to touch on this quickly. So for pastors and elders and shepherds, okay? This is for apostles, but I want to liken us. Like, so for Paul, Steve, and myself, our primary primary responsibility is to prayer and the ministry of the word that's not just our relationship and ministering the word to ourselves but it's the ministry of the word that that's what flows out from us and we've been released to do this i want you to know this i don't say it lightly this is a high calling i have to stand before god and give an account so i don't just roll in here This is something that's continually on my mind, and I know I speak for Paul and Steve as well. But our primary call is to prayer and the ministry of the word. So that's why I'm taking this break as well. So I can focus on my walk with Jesus. So I can receive more of the Father's love. So I can study his word and understand his word and be shaped by his word. So when I come back, I can rightly and appropriately present the Father. Not my own good works. So it was certainly important for them, and it's certainly important for us. Two minutes, and then we're going to close in prayer. The result of all this was this. Verse 7, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many priests became obedient to the faith. What was the result in keeping the primary things primary? What was the result in getting good, godly structure and programs in place? What was the result in spreading the load? What was the result in having good heart and character? What was the result in saying we need every member to play their part? Multiplication and increase.
That's what we're all about. We must never settle. What were they about when they started as five in a basement flat? Multiplication and increase. That's what it's about. The goal is growth, expansion, extension. This kingdom that we belong to is an ever-increasing kingdom. One that has no end. One that will one day fill and cover the whole earth. You excited about that? I'm so thrilled that one day Jesus' rule will be across the whole earth. Will you stand with me? The children will come in in just a few moments, but we're just going to minister just for a couple of minutes, okay? Because I feel like as I was preparing this, God wanted to re-envision us, reawaken something within us, maybe to lift off frustration and disappointment, maybe to reveal again, Judy Wales, this is the call of God on your life. You have been a mother in this church for many years and have seen many women flourish. So that kind of thing, I just feel that in the moment. I just feel like there are better days ahead yet. There are better days ahead yet. Your encouragement of people is amazing. I just feel, Father, it fan into flame this gift of encouragement. When the word of God spreads, lives change. The word has power. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It says in the word that his word will not return to him empty, but it will accomplish everything he sent it out to do. The writer of the psalm says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Jesus is known as the word of God that became flesh. We want to know who Jesus is and who the Father is. We need to read this book. It's his word that is our authority, our reasoning, our truth, and it's perfect. Imagine just for a moment, I want you to close your eyes, that the word of God spreads across our town. And as it does, these seeds are just being thrown out down St. Helens Road, in Malvin Way, in Hollington, in Little Ridge, in you know, all through our community, St. Leonard's, down Chapel Park Road, we're seeing the seed, the word of God, because we carry the words of life. I want you to imagine increase. Wherever you go, people giving their lives to Jesus, and people getting healed and saved and delivered, and marriages being restored, and people getting suddenly healed miraculously. Wouldn't that be exciting? Seeing people experience the love of Christ... Right now, I just want to minister just for a few, just for a moment. There's a few categories. Where I want you to think: Where has the Lord positioned you? Where are you currently in as a season? Maybe it's employment. Maybe it's unemployment. Maybe it's voluntary education, business, industry, politics, arts, healthcare your student, wherever you find yourself. What season of life are you in? Parent, grandparent, retirement? I feel like God wants to give us a fresh commissioning right now. Fresh eyes that we would see whatever we're doing, wherever we find ourselves, is an opportunity to glorify Jesus. So right now, I just want to invite you to extend your hands. Right now, I just ask, Holy Spirit, would you affirm 
confirm, reaffirm the call of God on our lives. I really want this to be a a passing message that doesn't just drift off into the ether. Holy Spirit, would you affirm the call of God on Bob Beanie right now? Holy Spirit, would you affirm wherever we are serving right now as we're doing it to your glory? Please, would we never be those that say this is a lesser task and this is more important. Oh God, I pray that you'd stimulate our hearts. You would, you would help us see that whatever member of the body we are, we are doing it for Jesus' glory and for the sake of those that don't know you. God, give us courage wherever we are to play our part for the greater good, to see the kingdom of God expand and extend, to see the kingdom of God in our schools, in our families, in our workplaces, to see the kingdom of God rule and reign in Hastings. Who wants that? The kingdom of God to rule and reign in Hastings and for your word to transform and change lives. Please help us see, Father, that we're all needed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Listen, I'm sorry we've gone over time. The children are going to be coming in now. And um, if, you, if you're in the, um, for Tots on Sunday, and if you need to go and collect your children, then please do so as well. If we can pray for you about anything, if you just feel, do you know what? Yeah, I need this. I need to hear again what God's call on my life is. Or you just need some encouragement and prayer. Come down to the front. Me, Bri, A. There'll be some others down here. would love to pray for you. Other than that, God bless you and have a great week.